Lisa got the invites. I see it, the invite. I see oh. it, and I have accepted it, and we shall begin it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't even have my microphone set up on me. I bet that sounded really weird. Okay. <laughs> it is time to begin. It's going to begin. It is time. Well, it is time. It is time. Welcome to Cheers to the Mills. <laughs> hey, this is, this is the fastest like intro we've had. We're introducing the show in 30 seconds. I know it's very impressive. This is your co-host Kiki with her her fellow co-host Amber. I'm just mixing accents here. I don't even know what I'm speaking. <laughs> that makes two of um. us. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about um, saving saving Mr. Banks. Mr. Banks. Saving Mr. Banks. <laughs> Which is basically how Mary Poppins the movie came about, and we get a little background on it, which is pretty interesting. Although I do have to go on a tangent before we stick to like script, and you can edit this out or keep it in. It's Disney related, at least. So I was okay. watching Schoolhouse Rock to cheer myself up, and I was I list I used to listen to it as a kid and everything. My parents got the album of it, and there yeah. are a lot of the songs missing, and a lot of it I was wondering, like, why pick this song instead of that song and everything, and get this, this show was made in 19, I think, 73, and what? their song about twos, like, multiplying by two, is based off of Noah. Did you just say 1973? Yeah. That's way too long ago. Uh, I can fact check myself real fast, but yeah. I, original release I date is January 6, 1973. Oh my god, that's a long time ago. This is the time of the show, ladies and gentlemen, where we ask you to silence your phones during the feature presentation. We know it's low-quality stuff over here, but we like to keep this a classy act. So, Saving Mr. Banks was originally pitched and developed by Essential Media Entertainment and BBC Films as an independent production in 2011. But when they approached Walt Disney to get the rights for certain areas Disney showed interest and they decided to come in as one of the producers and so the film was almost entirely shot at Walt Disney Studios in Southern California per Wikipedia in the actuality of accuracy Saving Mr. Banks Go take several steps away from facts in a couple of ways. 
Firstly, Walt Disney had the film's rights to her movie before she showed up. But they were subject to her approval of the script when she arrived to consult. So she had already signed the film rights when she showed up. Also, Disney wasn't there for most of the visit. However, they the recordings that she did in the studio were accurate. And were, that was something that she did do. And they used those to develop a lot of, um, of those conversations and events that happened. However, Travers did not like her... Um, the movie when she she was unhappy about it. We should probably preface this show by saying the whole show is a jumbled mix between present events and her childhood. And so Which... to help the flow of this podcast, we're going to just discuss it more conceptually and in chronological order versus the order it appears in the movie. Yes, which I will say this, it makes sense that it appears in this order in the movie because literally helping create this movie is bringing back memories she's repressed, I'm guessing, or just haven't thought about in years and explains why she's having such trouble, trouble. letting Walt Disney take this, um, take Mary and create Mary to a new light. Yes. Well, yes Although sorry, I will say, I do find it interesting the progression her dad's character takes in the show. Yeah. Yeah. So it looked like in the beginning of the movie, we see them leaving their home into a new home. So I'm wondering, how was it before that they had to straight up move to where it is now, where he's just gotten so bad you know like I wonder how it was beforehand yeah and I also wonder whether or not they intentionally made it to where they were going to the end of the line on the train I wonder if that's just because it was you know the most furthest out and so the cheapest yeah I wonder if there was an intentional symbolicness behind that because that was eventually the dad's end of the line. Um, like they were going to the end of the line as in the end of the train track as far as it went. To show whether they meant it as just they're going really far away or as they're literally heading to the end of the line. That's an interesting take. Um, maybe, maybe. But I will say, you know, this whole progression of the movie and seeing her childhood come out is just really, it makes sense about why the movie is called Saving Mr. Banks, just watching her childhood um, and the connection she made from Mr. Banks, her own dad. And, you know, that scene where she talks about, I'm sorry for jumping ahead or jumping back or whatever, but the scene where she talks jumping about around. Oh, where she says the line. Yes, this this we're just gonna be jumping around this whole movie, but the scene where she's like, "Oh, you thought she was there to save the children," that's when it hit me. This is why it's called Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah. Um. So just really 
watching her childhood through all that and seeing how bad it got like it got so bad I don't know if it was subconsciously I don't know like in that moment and I'm sorry this is gonna be a serious topic a little bit we're gonna dip into this but when her mother was attempting suicide I don't know if that was subconsciously in her sleep I don't know if she I think it was intentional so let's delve let's describe that event and then delve into it because I did want to talk about that especially so So, the father um, breaks his foot after his little drunken episode and the girl mm -hmm. to appease her father when he's stuck in the bed goes and finds a bottle of alcohol for him like she ransacks the whole house looking at all of his hiding places until she finally finds one in the dumpster because she didn't know any better he said he needed it she's noticed at least since moving to this new place how reliant he seems on that. Like he, she even watched him go into the bathroom and cry and pulled out a bottle to drink. So there's, there's that. But yes, she goes, finds a bottle and brings it to him. And then later it's, on, it is nighttime and her mother wakes her up and she says, I know you are the one who gave it to him. Talking about the alcohol. Wait. Does her mother wake her up or was her mother just standing there? She just happens to wake up. I don't think it really makes much of a uh, kind of. Twelve one way, like a dozen that... the other. Well, I feel like if her mother wakes her up, then she's very conscious of her actions. She's very present. I think the mother is that. very present and aware. Well, I'm just saying, if she just happens to be awake and look over then yes, I feel like her mother is aware, but she wasn't trying, I'm not going to say trying to traumatize her child, but she wasn't, you know, really trying to get her child involved. And maybe on some level she was, that can help along the lines of, oh, she was sleepwalking, oh, this was subconscious of her doing this. I but anyway, don't either way. think she was sleepwalking. That's my speculations on how the events play out. Because mm-hmm. her mother goes through this monologue about how she knows that her dad, she gave her dad the alcohol and how she knows that she mm-hmm. loves her dad and the, more than anyone else and how she needs to take care of her sisters. And then the yeah. mom starts walking away. And she walks out of the house and she walks into the river. And then she proceeds she... to walk further and further into the river. And the daughter, who is P.L. Travers, comes after her and follows Mm -hmm. her into the river and eventually she's able to snap her mother out of it before she drowns. Yeah. So that's why that moment of when she snapped her out of it, it's I'm not going to say it was like she was waking up but almost like, you know, maybe a little, not hypnotized, but kind of, sort of, just out of her mind and in a daze. I get what you're saying about the monologue but maybe and also the fact that she was conscious i think some part of her at least is conscious enough to get there and to walk and to do it i think it's more that in that moment being in the river trying to kill herself with her daughter there kind Mm -hmm. of made her realize oh my gosh i want to die I she can't really believe I'm doing this. She didn't know her daughter was there until her daughter woke her up. So but she was awake. She, her daughter was the one when her daughter touched her, it kind of broke the spell of it. Yeah. 
But I think so. it's more of it just grounded her in the situation and made her realize that yeah. that's what, she, like, do you really want to kill yourself with your elementary age child in the river with you? I don't know. I perceived it more as she, this is what she subconsciously wanted to do. She wanted to let go. She just wanted to get over with. And when she finally realized her daughter had woke her up, she realized what she was doing and she realized, I can't leave my children. You know, like I shouldn't be doing this. But I don't think she was fully, I don't think she was 100% aware of her actions, basically. Maybe. Just because. Yeah. But either way, it just proves how bad it was in the household with her alcoholic uh, father. Yes, basically. And her daughter who just was not obsessed, but who loved and doubted on her father. Yeah. He was enabling him, not realizing what she was doing. Yes. As it is, she was enabling him, but she didn't know. But so then then the father gets sicker. And the great aunt comes to visit, live with the family. Yes, the great aunt. She comes and she starts straightening things out. She's like, girls, I told you to help your mother. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this and that. And it seems like, because, um, before I touch on this, it seems like uh, the author had the thought that since her aunt was here, she was going to fix everything. Everything was going to be better. You know, she's coming through and she was going to save the day because, you know, she's already starting to help fix things. Um, but sadly, if you continue watching, you'll see later on that her father passed. Um, I think he has tuberculosis. That's just a guess on my part because he's coughing yeah, up blood. Because you notice that he's just coughing up blood. And I want to know. How long has he been coughing up blood? Like, is that what really drew the point for the alcohol even more? Is that what really pushed him over the edge? He just knew he wasn't going to last that long. And so he just was trying to drown out the pain with alcohol, you know? Because it looks like the coughing of the blood was happening for a while. Yeah, I wonder how long it was happening. And you have this really sad scene where she runs to her bedroom, to her father's bedroom, and she sees him there lying dead in the bed. And you just see her whole world fall apart. And she turns to her aunt. How can anyone who goes, and I'm guessing the doctor went and pronounced the death of the aunt or whoever, how can we just leave his body like that like why wouldn't you because I guess nowadays if we say something like that we try to cover it up you know but this man was in bed he still had the blood on his face and I get it like you could say oh children are supposed to be in there well also I think they did that just for dramatic effect yeah probably but still like anyone could come in there even whether or not they're a child or not no one should have to see that yeah and so you should still cover the body. I just think that establishes how non-present the parents are in Mary Poppins by showing how they are 
in her life. Yes. So you have her mother who is trying her best to take care of her and her sisters, which, by the way, she has two little sisters. So you have her mother who is trying to take care of three children, one of whom is a baby. And then you have her married to an alcoholic. And so all of that together. Who's very... Mm-hmm. It's just a lot for one person to have to deal with, which I think is why yeah. the mother and Mary Poppins doesn't have such a transformative moment. She's just prepared. She's just presented as present, but kind of absent-minded instead. Well, yeah, I noticed, I noticed, while, yes, throughout her childhood, her mother was there to take care of her, like you said, her mother seemed kind of out of the, out of the group, just the way her father interacted with her and her, her, her middle sister, mm-hmm. you know, the mother looked like the Debbie Downer of the group, the, you know, we, you don't need to be doing that, you don't need to be, you know, we have to go do this and that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, maybe... Once upon a time, at the beginning of the marriage, when the author was really young, she was a part of it. It was just the three of them having fun. But as more children um, came a part of the family, and as he kept getting fired, probably, and the alcohol got worse, you know, she had to grow up. Because she she looks young, you know. Yeah, she would have been very young. young. So it looked like she herself was forced to grow up. And so, like you said the mother in Mary Poppins is very distant and that's probably why you know and that's also probably why she didn't have Mary Poppins save her mother because she didn't have mm-hmm. that connection to her mother that she had with her father yeah which that's yeah. gotta be rough as a person who comes from a family with mental health issues like having your mother attempts suicide like that does a lot to you and And you're the one who stops her yeah and then have it where the parent that you thought you could rely on and trust to be there for you dies and that's all you're left with though the parent who always seems to be the most joyful to always bring the most joy in the house you're the fun parent just seems to have a side you did not know before Basically, throughout this movie, she's just discovering that side, the alcoholic side, the side of this one who's get always getting fired, you know, who was supposed to do this one thing, but ends up disappointing you. Because I think during the fair is probably the, no, I'm not going to, maybe the first time he's disappointed her. Like, truly, you can just see, you can just feel the disappointment. Yeah, she she's just aware, like, oh, this is really happening right now. This isn't as what it seemed like before. Which I think that everybody has or will have had that moment, depending on how young of an audience we have. That Mm -hmm. moment where you lose the perfect, naive innocence of childhood. Yeah, that was her moment. And you just realize that the world is much darker and tougher than you could ever imagine. Yes. Which is pretty sad, but that's also life. Yeah. 
Okay, so um, like we said, her father died. So that's her childhood. That's the author's childhood. So let's start on the making of Mary Poppins. Let's start on the getting (laughs) her to the United States to make Mary Poppins. So with the movie beginning um, past all the childhood stuff, we're probably going to be skipping all that unless it relates to the main story um, directly. You know, we see, we hear about how the author, she basically, she doesn't have any money. She's the royalties with Disney. Have, the royalties have given up, dried up. Yes. Yes, yes. Like, she even had to let go of her her maid. Polly. Her assistant. Yes, she had to let go of Polly. I couldn't think of her title, though. But, I think she's um, a maid. But basically, for the last 20 years, she's been going back and forth with Disney about the rights to Mary Poppins. And Disney wanted it so bad because he's like, oh, I promised my daughters that I would do it. And I never give up on a promise of them. Which, while you're talking, I'm going to go back to Wiki. And I'm going to see if that is part of the historic, if that's mentioned in like the historical accuracy-ness. Because I was kind of curious about that. Yeah, I know. Like, there's just so much. Now knowing that not all of it is 100% accurate, I am curious about nitpicking about what is accurate, what isn't accurate, what did happen, what didn't. So like we said, she's been in the battle for 20 years with Walt Disney about it. Finally, you know, her publisher, her her assistant, I guess if Polly's a maid, he's the assistant. Um, convinces her, hey, just go out to California. You know, you have the final say. You know, you get to decide. Just go see. And so she does, you know. She actually goes to California. And then she goes um, to Hollywood. Woo. And I just want to say, so far what we've seen of her, she's acting in a very peculiar way. And it's pretty interesting. Kind of, I want not OCD-ish, but just the way she, I don't know if it's the way she holds herself, maybe she does have um, a mental disease or something, but the way she is presented, you know, I'm I'm just not sure on how to phrase it. But, uh, and I would say she is very polite and throughout the movie you can see that she's very, um, toned down but I also think that is just the British culture or at least it used to be um, they're very toned down especially compared to the American uh, average American person but she's Wikipedia does not mention it although it does say that she had talked to Disney on and off for 20 years so the 20 years hunt for the movie rights was accurate that's cool. I okay. just so there's that. I find it kind of funny how they portray her in that stuck-up, snobby stereotype that you get for British people. I don't think she was very snobby. I just think that's just the way English people are. Were but they are. But compared to like the everyday American, how we are. Compared to that, maybe she seems snobby. No, I think but. just in general, she seems snobby. Like, when she says that tea should not be drank in a paper cup. 
Well, yeah, I just think that's because she's proper. I don't think she's snobby for being proper. I think she is. You know? <laughs> okay, we will agree to disagree about whether or not she's snobby. We'll okay. send that out on a Twitter poll, too, probably. Was P.L. Travers snobby in the movie? Yes or no? <laughs> Prove me right. Yes or no. <laughs> Prove her wrong for once. Prove her wrong for once. Okay, <laughs> going back. So she basically, she gets to the U.S., to California, you know. We can see the way she's interacting with the driver. Um, you know, the scene where he opens up the car, I find it pretty cool that the way the car opens. I don't know. I know this really, really relates to the movie, but that was pretty cool how it opens basically from the inside out. Yeah. From the outside in. I'm doing hand motions, so Amber knows what I'm talking about. If you guys don't, tough luck, watch the movie. Basically, it's a limousine-type car, so it's made for your driver to open the door. And so imagine the door hinge being on the other side from where it is in every other car. If you didn't get that, you didn't get that. Watch the movie. You'll know what I'm talking about. So, um, we see her (laughs) entering the hotel (laughs) after, you know, getting to not really know the driver at all. And she walks into her hotel room. Which, by the way, she's staying at the Beverly Hills Hotel. You know, Disney does what companies do when they have someone over that they want a part of their company or something. They send a whole bunch of crap to endorse them. <laughs> and so she walks into her room and she just seems, and it's you know, Disney. Mickey, it's Disney goofy. Yes, mini goofy Donald Duck everywhere. Pluto. <laughs> and they give and her a fruit basket and she has to throw out the pears. And all in all, <laughs> it is just uh, too much for yes. her. I'm going to. She. When she saw that there was a fruit basket with pears, she literally went to the um, balcony of her room and threw the pears into the pool. And the reason for that is because when her father passed away, um, she was out to go get pears because it. I guess he liked pears because we see in her childhood her father bringing pears home to her mother. So there's a reason why she went up and straight out throughout the uh, pears. And can I just say, I should put this in the beginning. This whole movie review, I don't know if you guys know this, but this is going to be a major spoiler, okay? So... (laughs) Wait, what? We're spoiling the movie? How are we doing that? I was trying my best. (laughs) Straight up spoiling the movie. Okay, but yes, she gets her room ready for her personal, for her stay. And then what happens next? She goes to the studio. She does. Yes. Oh, yes, she does. And then she meets her ensemble who she's like, hmm, we're not going to need you long because this movie's not going to be a musical um, to the Sherman Brothers. That's what she says to the Sherman Brothers. Which, and she's like, I'm going to go meet Walt. Well, I'm going to go meet Mr. Disney because she speaks properly. Yes, Mr. Disney. That's not snobbish. That's just being formal. That's very I formal. I think the baby's going to be a nuisance on the flight when the mother moves her back so you can stick your bag in the overhead carrying bin. Is a bit snobby. Well, that's what I mean earlier. Going back to what I said earlier, the way she carries herself and the way she acts, I don't think she's being snobbish. I just think 
like that's just the way she is what's the call is kind of like she i'm not gonna say she has a form of autism that's not what i'm saying but the way she acts kind of reminds me of someone who has what's the word i'm looking for no social skills um i can't hear you no social skills maybe but it's just the way she was acting you know she didn't seem snobbish to me and especially with all the pills she takes, you know, it just doesn't seem snobbish. Anywho, anyway. so she goes and meets Disney, Go and in the movie, she kind of flaunts the fact that he doesn't have her movie rights yet. However, yes. we know that in reality, Disney did have the film rights by then. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Which she has every right to flaunt that. I hate that in real life she gave up the movie rights so quickly. She has every right to flaunt that because she has. With the I mean, those- 20 years is a pretty good time to flaunt something to Walt Disney. <laughs> How many people can say for tw- they've kept Walt Disney on his toes for 20 years, which I just love. Throughout this whole movie, she's just so, they just were not expecting her. You know, and I'm guessing because of how the book, I, I, oh, are these real books, by the way? Yes. Okay. I'm guessing from how the book is written, she just seems totally different. And so she just is not at all what they are expecting. So that's pretty fun. But well, I think also there, I think one of the reasons why they end up letting her have the movie rights mm-hmm. in the show is to give her a justification for her behavior. Yeah. Because at least the way the Wikipedia page sounds, it sounds like she was not the happiest of campers in the production of this. She never fully (laughs) got one over. If you look at the movie, it seems like she doesn't really get a lot of things that she wants, except for maybe one or two things, which now I'm questioning even is real. But anyway... No, so. she did, like, get very few of what she wanted, and that was one of the reasons why she, uh, in the end, didn't really like the movie. Mm-hmm. However, but, um, I do love her spunk. Her attitude her is amazing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The actress who did this, amazing. Good job. She's Good job. Got she knows what she wants and she's gonna have what she wants, or she's gonna go back to England and that will be that. That will be that. Um, so she talks to Mr. Disney, you know. Um, I think he kind of scares her with his American ways because just the mannerism between the two of them is just interesting because he's just like, Call me Walt, and she's like, Mr. Disney. Yeah, he's trying um, to which, be warm and charming, and she's having none of it. No, which, to be fair, I understand, because to be taken seriously, you know, you have to put your foot down. I understand. She's putting her foot down. She was putting her foot down, and I am so happy for her for that. So. I'll give her your congratulations. How about that? <laughs> Thank you so much. If you happen to run into her, just just... <laughs> Just do that for me. Next time I jump, um, pop over to Jolly England, I'll give her a call. <laughs> okay. 
So she meets Disney. What happens next? I can't remember. They start working on the filming production. And from the very get-go, she is making corrections and changes. And I love it how they have, they're doing the stage notes about them showing up to (laughs) 17 Cherry Tree Lane. And she's like, it's number 17. (laughs) And the brothers are like, the Sherman brothers are like, no one's going to see it. And she says, it's number 17. And they say, no one's going to see it. And she says, I will see it. And that's very true. You know, she knows what she wants. She's going to get it. I want to see this. The first change, because, you know, they also show her the um, board of it, the storyboard of it, where she changes the housing. She's like, oh, it needs to look like my house. Let me show you how my house looks like. I would say she is correct. They are normal people the banks so disney tends to have um their main character stick out and there was no need to stick out because mary poppins i'm sure goes to a lot of families so this was just another family we just happened to get to look in to see what mary poppins does you know right which i do agree with that change and i love um robert sherman when he, she mm-hmm. keeps making all these changes and he's like, what does it matter? Yes. And they, yes. she was complaining about the wife being a suffragette and they're like, well, we got to give her something to do to explain her not being with the children. And she's like, she's a mother. That's enough to do already. And yes. So can I say this at that point? The way they're just like, uh, she's not, you know, what is she a nanny? She's not doing anything all day. I just want to say, that's just how they were back then. I'm guessing the time period Mary Poppins is supposed to set be set in. You know, you have the mother and the father and the nanny take care of the children. That's just how they are, you know. So it's not that weird to have a nanny. That's not the weirdest thing in the world. But like, the woman of the house have other things to take care of i.e. making sure the maid staff is all okay, making sure everything is set up and clean and cooked and groceries have been taken care of while the husband is away at work because the mother is too busy being the lady of the house to not have extra help with the children. So I will say that about the whole nanny issue. Right, and I do think that conversation raises quite an interesting question because she says, well, do you, are you saying that she's neglectful? And the brother says yes, without skipping a beat. Like, I just don't see it. She's not being neglectful. I think it would be more neglectful if she didn't have a nanny. And she was going off and doing her own things, you know? Right, which I think that plays into what her real mother did. Huh? Her real mother. They didn't have a nanny at first. Yeah. But you saw her real mother struggling to make things work. Yeah, her real mother was being the lady of the house and taking care of her baby sister, her newborn sister, so she couldn't really be a mother mother to the author. So to the the daughter we know, um, spoilers, the daughter name is Helen. <laughs> I realize you should have did that from the beginning. Nah. <laughs> but anyway, um, so you're right. Um, I just, 
at the same time, I just see there's no problem with having a nanny. You know what? I had a nanny um, for a couple years of my life, so there's nothing wrong with a nanny. That's you know, interesting. But, I didn't know that. But then again, my mom was a single mother. <laughs> so that's, that might have something to do with it. I mean, I'm pretty sure the like husband wasn't providing much parental support. No. You're right about that. But anyway, so some of the changes she made, I see, they weren't too bad, like the house and stuff like that. But you could just tell she is, because like Disney says later on, you're just trying to see if I will do whatever it takes to get this movie. And I'm going to prove to you that I will. Yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I will say this. I got a little annoyed with, um, was it Robert, the one who limps? Yeah. Who shot? I did get a little annoyed with him because it's also like, you know, she's the author of the book. So I feel like even if she didn't have the rights, you know, are you really going to get mad at her for trying to help you create this movie when she's the one who wrote the book? You know what I mean? I think his problem was more the fact how she was completely against everything. And how she came across as uncompromising. Okay. Okay, yeah, I can see that. And the Sherman brothers by this time were pretty far up the Disney chain. So they probably weren't used to being told that their stuff was garbage. Oh, yeah, I can see that. I can see they've just, they're not used to the treatment she's providing them. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I get that. Um, I will say this, as they're working though, it's pretty funny how um, what we call it comes in with all the food. <laughs> and Doll? Helen is Doll? just like, no, get it out. Don't you dare come in here with all that food. <laughs> because it is, that's an accurate representation of us. We tend to overeat like that and they certainly don't with all those sweets. No. I don't know. I ate pretty good in Oxford. I had some really good meat pies. <laughs> but that is true. They did not have Mickey shaped jello when I went to Oxford. So I will Darn. give her credit there. That one was a bit much. <laughs> um, but basically, during present day of the movie, we just see her, we just see the process of going through writing the movie and we see the group, everyone coming up with ideas, her shooting it down, the back and forth, the power struggle of it all, you know, but we do see her walls slowly starting to break, you know? We see her do things to irritate Disney, like when she was talking, like like the line I mentioned earlier, when she was talking about the script, and she threw the script out the window, saying how it had no um, substance, basically. Mm-hmm. And she's, and she was just like, "Yo, you think she's there to save the children?" Um. So, and then she also has another telling moment when she talks about how he tears up their letters, and she's like, "Are y'all not fathers? Do y'all not realize that a father wouldn't do that?" And she gets so offended by their treatment of Mister Banks. Yes, because in her mind, Mr. Banks is her father. You know, I'm really curious about the original ending, I guess, for Mr. Banks. 
because the ending that happens is the one that they created, you know, because they talk about, oh, what if we do this? What if instead he mints a kite and they go fly it and thus the song Let's Go Fly a Kite is made. So I'm wondering about what happens in the end, you know? Does yeah. Mr. Banks really die? Does he always say depressing and rude? I so, think they just had it that. where he just kind of existed and the children were well taken care of and then Mary Poppins was done and left because they thought that Mary Poppins was there to save the children. Yeah, which, you know, looking back at the movie, Mr. Banks really isn't in it like talking about it like you would think because this whole saving Mr. Banks you would think this whole movie is about changing Mr. Banks' heart. But we only really get to interact with him, like, what, four times? I don't know. You have where he hires Mary Poppins and Mary kind of turns him in circles. You have when he's talking to her about how she's taking care of the children. You have after the chimney sweep one when he fires her. And then you have... um, the ending. But you also have Bert talk to Mr. Banks. Too. So five times. Four or five right. times in the range of a two hour movie. I just feel like the saving Mr. Banks heavily implied about saving her father and changing her view of her father. But also at the end of the day he is the character that has the largest story arc. Yeah. I just feel like we don't see enough development into that story arc, you know? I feel like we see, oh, he's hard, he's a hard ass, he's a hard ass, he's a hard ass. Hey, no, he's not. It's okay now. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we could have had a much more in-depth, um, much more in-depth, uh, what should we call it, uh, much more in-depth conversation about him changing we could really see him throughout the movie slowly changing, you know? Yeah, I but like I think that would have been harder to achieve. Especially considering she's the nanny, so she's supposed to spend time with the children. That's that's very true. So, yeah, that's true. You know, know, when the nanny starts to spend time with the head of the house is when we trouble. <laughs> You were right about that. You're right so, about that. you know, we can't so, do that. No, we can't. Um, so anyway, we see, you know, she she's getting her way, whether they like it or not. You know, there are changes she wants to make. There are things they're doing wrong. You know, but we, like we said, we slowly see her start breaking down her walls. Like when she kind of had, a, it was just after her meltdown, she goes outside and built a little house. Yes. Not a meltdown, but she had I mean, a pretty it's bad a little meltdown. She has a pretty bad reaction to them creating the Tuppence song because it goes that scene is where they do the flashback with her dad creating the drunken speech. Right. Where the first time he disappointed her. That's what I'm gonna call it at least. Um so then she goes outside, she makes a little house and the um, her limousine driver looking for. Yes, her driver sees her and 
he sits down with her and starts to connect with her. And we hear about how his daughter Janet loves her books. And Janet is Jane, not Janet, Jane. Jane. (laughs) Loves her books and she is in a wheelchair, which I see later on, you know, the character, the daughter name is Jane. Is Mm -hmm. that a coincidence? I think not. So, well, the driver doesn't actually exist. That's sad. So that was a character that they made up for the movie. Oh my god. That hurts my heart. Yeah. Hurts my heart. I was really sad when I just read that. That I honestly I'm hurt. <laughs> Sorry, I was uh So after her big break, the brothers in the writer get their heads together and they come up with the song, Let's Go Fly a Kite, which is what eventually wins Helen over by them actually saving the character of Mr. Banks. Yes. Like like I said, I would really like to know the original ending for Mr. Banks, but yes, uh, Let's Go Fly a Kite. This is what I mean by Let's Go Fly a Kite has become my new favorite song because of her reaction to it. Because of the joy she felt when she realized, hey, you know, Mr. Banks does get that happy ending. Yeah. Um, And I love the way they have her being won over with her first listening to the music and then tapping her foot. And then tapping both of her feet. And then standing up and doing a slight walk. And then doing a jig. (laughs) Like, watching yeah. her warm up to the whole idea and the whole area. Yes, yes, yes. You know, it makes me wonder how many times throughout the movie, like, how many songs they've done that she's actually wanted to, you know, kind of move along to. Because those are some good musicians. According good musicians. to Wikipedia, there is quite a bit more songs and animation than she wanted. Oh, he, well, yeah, we see out throughout the movie where she talks about how she doesn't want it to be a musical. And, and guess what? She doesn't want it to be animation. And so <laughs> we looked up that description today and it's a musical, basically. Uh-huh, I'm here. So. Sorry. I'm being distracted. But I do like how this movie does bring to the forefront a lot of how Mary Poppins is about saving Mr. Banks. Because yeah, you lose yeah. that whole arc if you're not paying attention to it because it is so subtle. But I think it is the most dramatic part of the whole story. And it took me quite some time like, when I was a kid, I didn't realize that the movie was about, that she was there for Mr. Banks. You know? Well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. I just feel like he wasn't presented enough in the movie, in Mary Poppins, to show that it was to be, to save Mr. Banks. You know? And I get what you're saying. She's in the end. She's got to stay with the children. But it's just like, I just and feel I like... think, But I think that shows... The way of him changing through the eyes of the children. Just, you think just all the, like, 
we don't see what's really going behind the scenes and him yeah. interacting with Mary on the side. Okay, I could go. Or could go you're just that. also not seeing his interactions on the side in general. Like, you're not seeing how is his job at the bank going? Yeah. How okay. does he feel knowing that his children run away a lot? How does yeah. he feel about his wife? How does he feel about his house? Is he happy? Is he sad? Does he enjoy where he is? There's all of okay. that adult life that you're missing. That's true. I just, and also, you're you know, not ever, I don't know whether or not this is intentional, but you never go somewhere that the children haven't been yet with Mr. Banks. Okay. There's, okay, I can see that. I can see through the children's eyes saving him. You know, and maybe there's a story about how if you change, you know, you change your children, you know, you can change the family because, you know, they don't run away anymore. You know, they slowly start to grow up just a little bit. So maybe there's that, too. And I think it also shows, like, the effect that changing the parent has on the child's life because mm-hmm. you go from a strict kind of tell version of it to this happy like let's go fly a kite like the children were so excited when he was just taking them to the bank because he's never taken them anywhere before (laughs) oh it's so sad and so you just have this growing warmth that he is causing to I know in a lot of ways Hoppins is helping the children's lives by fixing Mr. Banks. Yeah, I see that. I see that. But all in all, and then they have the movie premiere, which she did kind of guilt trip a Disney executive into letting her come to in real life. We skipped the important part. Oh, yeah. So, so basically, you know, she slowly starts to coming around to the musical, but there's one thing she would not stand for, and that's for her movie to become an animation. And there are penguins, that... if you listen to our previous episode, and Walt the Disney penguins. might have a lot of things, but Walt Disney has not taught penguins how to dance yet. No, you know, she will, she will push through on everything else. Musicals, fine. Dick Van Dyke, okay, you can have him, but but animation, no. And so she she feels fooled. She goes, packs up her bags, and she leaves. Goes back to England. Um, and that throughout- is when Disney discovers that her real name is Helen, and she took mm-hmm. her father's name to write the book. Yes, which you know should have. I was throughout the whole movie I was wondering is this daughter is Helen the author because it kind of wasn't adding up you know with the names and then um when I saw his name when he was at the bank before he got fired I saw uh his first name and I was thinking is that his last name it's in the beginning like what's going on so you know throughout the movie I was kind of confused so it really was a surprise to me once they were just like, oh, you're that's the same person, you know? Yeah, I just assumed it was a pen name. I didn't get the connection. 
Yeah, I was just thinking, I was thinking more like, is this her sister writing it? Is she really the writer or what's happening here? So, but anyway, so Disney finds out who she is, goes to England. The very next flight, he goes and he goes and talks to her. They have a little heart to heart. And he convinces her to give him the film rights. Yes, but he's kind of been through where she's been through, not in the exact same way. But, you know, Disney created Mickey Mouse, and he says it way early in the film, Mickey Mouse is part of the family. So he kind of understands the whole giving up your creation, because that was a very big part of this, too, giving up Mary Poppins for someone else. The biggest part, though, was Mr. Banks and the whole Banks family. Well, I think it's also a bit of saving her and helping her come to terms with her past and her childhood and realizing yeah. that her parents aren't perfect and that they're still loved her and cared about her. Her parents aren't perfect. You know, these things happen. She was traumatized. <laughs> the poor child. Rightly so. <laughs> so, but yes, um, eventually she gives the rights. They put things together. At first it seems a little wonky because he didn't send her an invitation to the premiere she was expecting one but the people around them basically uh pushed them together and got her over to the premiere i do have to say this i didn't want a love interest really for her that's not what this movie's about but for a second there i was kind of shipping her at disney and then i remembered oh yeah he's married (laughs) oh yeah he has a wife (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> honestly this would it not be the first time something like this would happen i mean i don't think disney ever had an affair i might be wrong but i don't think Hollywood. disney ever did or he doesn't have a fear that we know of <laughs> let's ask google although did by now they would know disney. anyway they go to the premiere we see her looking at the movie you know she's you can tell how emotional she is about it you know, we get to see the ending. She's singing, let's go fly a kite. And so that's the end of Saving Mr. Banks. Um, what I think is really cool is in the end, they have pictures of of the author, of Walt Disney, of everyone. And they have, um, at the very, very end, you'll hear a recording of her speaking, which I think is just really awesome. So, um, I got about nothing else to say. We're going to get this last confirmation and then sign off. I'm being pulled oh away. Oh my the goodness. What? While Disney was an innovative and successful man, he was also the subject of many controversies, most of which included rumors that he was anti-Semitic and racist. These rumors were and are hard to dispel. In the 1930s, Disney attended meetings of pro-Nazi organization, the German-American Bud. He also hosted a known Nazi propagandist and filmmaker and gave her a tour of the Disney Studios. To make matters worse, Disney was also accused of perpetrating black stereotypes in his films. But for all his critics, Disney also had scores of supporters who claimed he was far from being 
either anti-Semitic or racist. The debate on Disney's alleged discrimination and racism continues to this day. And that, folks, yeah, is from biography.com. Walt Disney. I, I think I knew about the racism. and he's Seven things you didn't, didn't know, know about, about the man and the magic. No, I did not know about that. I, knew, I only knew it was about the racism and homophobic. And that's not to say I support uh, Disney himself. Uh, I'm sure, but now I'm sure it's taken over by a great person who is not like that. Um, it's sad that there is blood on the money, but money is money. I'm going to cut that out because I probably shouldn't say that. Yeah, I just, I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh. But yeah, thank I'm you for listening. I'm... Sorry that this wasn't the lighthearty cheerfulness that it usually is with us discussing Disney movies, but... I certainly enjoyed this movie and I wanted to share it with y'all. It, it was a good movie and it made my love for Mary Poppins grow a little. Especially for Let's Go Fly a Kite. See? All good um, then. So what good. are we watching next week, Kiki? I think next we're going to watch Mulan and we're going to get into the discussion of Disney princesses a little bit. You know, I want to touch upon that at the end of Mulan. Ready to argue. Talk to y'all later. <laughs> there's, there's nothing to argue about. That's oh not God. true. I can always find something to argue about. <sighs> See you guys next week. This has been Cheers to the Mouse. I am Amber. And I'm with Kiki. me is... <laughs> what? I was going to say, and with me is... And then you say Kiki, but apparently we're not that together and in sync so you know <laughs> it'd be like that oh, sometimes if you okay, like listening to us please rate us and review us on apple podcasts and stitcher you can email us at cheers to mickey.gmail.com and we are hopefully gonna have a twitter account by the time this is premiering so look for i'm assuming it's gonna be something around cheers to the mouse like probably cheers to the mouse. I'm going to try to make it tonight and just get it over with. But thank you so much. much. Ta-ta. And ta-ta for now. <laughs>